From Upstate Medical University in Syracuse, New York, I'm Amber Smith. This is HealthLink on Air. Why would a person opt to eat a plant-based diet? What benefits and what limitations would they face? With me in the HealthLink on Air studio to explore vegetarian and vegan diets is Upstate Registered Dietitian Nutritionist Maureen Franklin. Welcome back to HealthLink on Air. Thank you. Now let's be clear about the terms I just used. Um, what is the difference between vegetarian and vegan? So vegan is a person who would exclude all animal products. Vegetarian is someone who might include. Um, there's there's different categories called like lacto-ovo, ovo. Um, so some people might include some dairy. Other people might not include any dairy. Um, then there's the new term flexitarian, which people might include a little fish, maybe some meat once in a while. But the vegan is more primarily all avoidance of any kind of animal products. Uh, so the vegan would not have any dairy, but no. would eat mostly, veg- mostly vegetables. Mostly what we're talk- okay. basically talking about more plant-based. So then what does plant-based mean? So plant-based is kind of a new way of thinking in terms of getting people to go more. And the term vegetarian or vegan, I think, sometimes scares people or that puts them off a little bit. So I like the new terminology of plant-focused eating. So it's not saying that you have to go strictly vegetarian or you have to go strictly vegan. What it's actually saying is, let's look at your diet and see is there ways that you can get more plant-based in your diet. So we talk about Meatless Monday, so that's kind of leaning towards that, saying let's go away from meat a little bit more. Let's maybe do um, a veggie burger or let's get more beans or lentils into our diet. So the plant focus, I think, is a nicer, easier way of people to saying, oh, okay, I'm just going to try a few more plant-based recipes. I'm going to do this. Maybe I still like a little bit of meat in my thing, but I'll make less. Um, an, an easy way to think of it is not make the meat the star of your plate. Make it the side dish. All right. So you could have meat occasionally or and or dairy. You could. Um, but and focus I think that's a lot it. on And I think that's the thing. It's a plant based focus for you. If you want to go strictly and you want to do heavy on plant based, that's a personal choice. If you say, Well, every once in a while I like some chicken, I like some fish, again, that's focusing on what can work for you. But the healthy part of it is going more towards that plant based because we're seeing all the literature help us look at plant based as being healthy, heart health, cancer, all the different research that's coming out about it. Now, I read a story in The Economist saying that a quarter of Americans between ages 25 and 34 say they're vegetarian or vegan. Does that sound about right? Do you Sounds see? it. And um, things that I've been reading is more in terms of the um, the whole millennials and, and in terms of the whole new generation. They're looking at things in a different way than people in other generations look. Um, they're looking at it in terms of uh, carbon footprints. They're looking at it in terms of economics. They're looking at it in terms of their personal preferences of what they feel, what their beliefs are, and do they not want to have any meat. So, yes, I think that's probably a very good number. Well, that same article said that sales of vegan foods in America rose 10 times faster than food sales as a whole during 2018. Oh. And you see more vegan products on store shelves, right? It's an explosion. It's a total explosion, I think, in terms of it. I mean, I remember years and years ago, you know, used to say people would talk about getting a veggie burger and be like, what? And and was like very difficult to find. Morningstar Farms, very well known company. But now there are so many companies, so much of um, things that are out there, which I think is good. But I do think as consumers, we need to look at what do you want out of that product? What are you willing to spend? And what's the taste? So right. sometimes it's all those things that we need to look at. 
So in other parts of the world, other cultures, um, do you see plant-based or plant-focused eating more frequently? I think we do. I think that's just part of their culture when we look at things in terms of falafel patties. You know, years ago, people were like, whoa, you're eating a falafel patty? Now they're very commonplace. Now we're getting into more of those plant-based things. The um, Indian culture with more of their plant-based curry dishes, those kinds of things. Uh, more vegetarian-type things that we see in those cultures, yes. And I think we should learn from that. Well, let's talk about what are some of the reasons behind why a person would choose a plant-based diet? So some people might choose it from a medical standpoint in terms of it, because when you look at plant-based, we're looking at a higher fiber. Um, we're looking at a lower fat type of food, especially when you get into the dried peas and beans and lentils. Um, we could look at it from an economic standpoint. Meat is expensive. Can beans, lentils that you could cook up yourselves, very, very economical in terms of it. And then it could just be a personal decision in terms of that, again, going more towards vegan, wanting to stay away from any animal products or animal-based products. So the eat local um, trend has been popular. Does that play into the environmental also? Oh, I think so too. Yeah, because again, get to know your farmer. And I know we've talked about that, you know, going to your local market. Um, you know, how does that farmer, what are they doing as far as their growing practices? Um, and getting to know them and saying, okay, how do you do this? And then supporting them locally, I think is another big key. Uh, I have heard criticism, though, that some of the foods that are labeled plant-based are highly processed and that that makes them not as healthy right. as they might appear. Right. So, so when you look at that, again, that's the being a consumer. You want to know just because something is labeled glitz and the glitz makes you think that you're getting, my favorite is veggie straws and they're green and they're orange. But when you look at that, what is in them? Are there any green beans? Are there any carrots? Maybe there's a hint way, way down at the end of the label. So you're taking a plant-based, unprocessed food, and as it goes down the line, it can become more and more processed to the point, like I know we had talked about, it can be ultra-processed. So is a potato great? Yes, because you can get a potato. You can get a skin. You can get a sweet potato. But as you go down the line, what's happening to those potato chips? We don't have the skin on them. They're processed. Salt's added to them. And then that's the thing you have to think about. What's happened to that plant and has added sugar been added to it, added salt, added fat, so you're taking it away from that natural state, which is the best, and making it more processed. You're listening to Upstate's HealthLink on Air. I'm your host, Amber Smith, and I'm talking with registered dietitian nutritionist Maureen Franklin, and we're talking about the benefits and the limitations of eating a plant-based diet. Now, is there... Why would someone on a plant-based diet want to periodically include meat or fish or dairy? Are there is there something in a plant-based diet that's lacking that well, you can only um, get? Uh, people on a vegan tend you have to be very careful in terms of B12. So again, you have would have to be careful that you don't have a B12 deficiency. But that's again something you would you would want to check with your doctor. You went on to talk about um, so that provides that. Um, a lot of people get concerned about the protein, but your plant-based proteins, they're all out there. You know, your beans, your lentils, um, the new surge of, you know, the Beyond Burgers and Impossible Burgers, which are another type of thing, whole other category. But um, those are some of the things in terms of that, the people. And the only other thing is taste preference. Sometimes I love fish. So if I can get fish, I'd rather probably get my lean protein from fish 
rather than a steak. But again, personal choice in terms of it. Now, I think of plants as being carbohydrate, but can you tell us about what you just said, plant proteins? What is that? So you're right, because plant-based, such as lentils, dried peas, and beans, they're, they're a great combination. They're a carbohydrate source and a protein source. So you get added benefit of both. So if you're looking at your carbs in your diet and you're looking at your protein, beans can supply both of those, plus fiber, which is another great component that we feel is very, very heart-healthy and very healthy for our population. So that's a great thing that people don't tend to think about, and from I just think from an economical source, there are a wonderful thing out there that we probably don't use enough. And you mentioned peas. Are peas yep. are peas beans? Dried peas and beans. So that's a difference. So dried peas and beans, dried lentils, um, things like your chickpeas, your kidney beans, those kinds of things. Where you could, you know, everyone's so used to adding kidney beans to your chili. But it's like, okay, what else could I do? What can I do with chickpeas? What can I do with navy beans? What can I do with mung beans? Those kinds of things. Can I start experimenting with those? And there's great resources out there, too, that I don't think people are aware of. You mentioned the plant-based burgers and sausage sandwiches or mm -hmm. whatever plant-based sausage that we, we're seeing in the market now. Um, can you talk to me about how those compare with real meat? Well, what they're trying to do is replicate the taste and the feel. They call it the mouthfeel of meat. So what we're seeing is things like the burgers that are out there, they aren't a low-fat source. They tend to use coconut oil to get that mouthfeel and that taste, which, again, when we look at it from a nutritional standpoint, you have the potential to get more saturated fat. And is it just as close as having a steak? I don't, you know, it's, some of it's pretty close when you look at some of the literatures out there. So I, I caution people just because, yes, it can be plant-based, and they're using those plant-based, but they're still trying to replicate that meat taste and that meat feel. So that's where we're looking at the fat content. And some of them I've looked at, and I know we took some pictures, they're, they've got a good amount of fat content. They do have a good amount of um, saturated fat content. So calorie count is it? Um, calories not too bad, not not that much of a difference because again you're getting you're not you're getting some carbs because it's a plant based. So again, they're talking usually a three to four ounce portion, and then when we're talking that, that's a small portion. So if a normal portion, you know, some men might be eating six ounces, you know, you're in the five five six hundred category for calories for a burger type thing. What about sodium levels? Those are going to vary, too, because, again, what are we doing? We're looking at it from a taste standpoint, so you want it to taste. So meat in itself has a natural amount of sodium. When you go to the restaurant, yes, the chef probably adds some, but at home, you don't have to add. You can add your herbs and spices, but they're adding some things. They're adding, quote, sea salt. So, again, people get fooled because, okay, what's sea salt? Well, it's still sodium. So there's all those little things that I think people need to look at. So are they healthier options then or not? I think it's something I want to try one, but I'll tell you the cost is unbelievable. I think it's very prohibited in terms of thinking that you're going to replace your meat with a plant-based, quote, burger. Um, I would rather cut down on the meat that I might be using or suggest it to people and then introduce more of the more economical sources. I think it's out there because I think that's the market. I think right now it's kind of like what low-fat happened years and years ago. So this is a big trend. This is what people want to see. Um, and I think you have to look at it because I think from an economical standpoint, it's a high-priced high item. Well, as we get into the cooler months, um, can you walk us through how a crock pot can be a nice way to experiment with plant-based eating? Oh, 
easy because you could start with any kind of base. You could start with a broth base. You could start with a stewed tomatoes type base. You could start with tomato juice if you wanted to. And then you can add whatever kind of vegetables that are there. You could add eggplant. You could add onions. You can add, add peppers, whatever. And then experiment. Put in some chickpeas. Put in some different beans, some northern beans that you've never tried. Or uh, Try cooking some lentils. Um, there's a challenge out there that I think is very interesting. It's called a half a cup a day habit. It's trying to encourage people to have a half a cup of dried peas or beans or lentils three times a week, which is an easy thing to do, but we don't think about that. We think, oh, I put it in my chili. I'm okay. But it's those kinds of things. And a crock pot is a great way to cook. Lentils, easy way of cooking in a crock pot. You can make lentil soup. You can make lentil stew, all of those kinds of things. When you mention the half cup a day habit, is that using dried beans? Dried peas, beans, or lentils. Um, it's put through, it's called USA pulses. So that's what the new terminology of dried peas and beans, they're calling them pulses. Uh, kind of interesting, uh, but people aren't aware of it yet. But they that's one of their challenges to show people you can cook lentils, you can cook dried peas and beans, and it's easy, and it's a great economical, and it's a plant-based source. When you look at them on the store shelf, though, it looks like there's so much work involved compared with throwing something in a microwave. Walk me through, how do you prepare from a dried, uh, dried um, beans to... A typical one is you can you can soak them overnight. Like if you want to do, like I love to make split pea soup, you can soak that overnight, put it in the water, soak it, rinse it, and then they're ready to go in terms of your cooking. Lentils, anywhere from 15 to 20 minutes. They can be uh, split lentils are going to be quick cooker than your whole lentils, so that's a quick, easy thing in terms of it. If you don't want to do that, look towards your canned beans. If you're worried about an extra sodium, rinse them off, get rid of that juice. Boom, you could put those in the microwave. You could add that. So you're going to make a, a vegetable soup, and you normally add potatoes, and you normally add rice or those kind of things. Switch it up. Put some beans in there. You just take your same base, try a little less in terms of the meat, add more of the vegetables, and add maybe a, one or two cans of a different bean. Quick and easy. And in other cultures, beans are a prevalent part of the diet. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Now, and what do you usually mix beans with if you're eating beans? What is a good side uh, complement? Oh, I think you could mix it with any kind of vegetable in terms of it. Um, onions, peppers, great. Then maybe you want to mix it with a side dish of maybe some rice or something if you want to. So you're expanding it. So that's your main entree in terms of it. Um, the more you do, you could do different pastas. There's now... Um, there's bean pastas out there now. Again, they're a little expensive, but why not just take your plain, maybe you're just doing some macaroni and you're going to add some beans to it and you're going to add some onions and peppers and maybe some green beans, some basics things that you have. Now, beans, there's so many different types of them. Do they have different flavors or do you find that you need to sort of use your own spices for them? I think you need to use your own spices and I think it's something is the difference with the different dried peas and beans is the consistency. So if you think of the difference between um, split pea soup, um, it's more of a probably like a baby food type consistency, which I love. Other people are like, oh, I don't like that. They might like more of the kidney beans where you're getting more of a texture, you're getting more of a meaty taste in terms of it. So again, that's, I think, a, a typical what's your preference in terms of it. So maybe fun to experiment. It's very fun to experiment. And there's so much great information out there. Thank you so much to Maureen Franklin, a registered dietitian nutritionist at Upstate Medical University. I'm Amber Smith for Upstate's podcast and talk show, HealthLink on Air.